Welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study. We're excited to, to have another opportunity to open up God's Word today. And uh, today we're going to be uh, continuing our study, 1 Corinthians. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and turn there on your Bible or something that has your Bible on it, uh, to 1 Corinthians 14. We will get as much of 14 in as we can. Uh, we may get it all in, uh, uh, may, may not, but uh, but we will, we will work to get it in. Now, a couple of things uh, you have to be reminded of. Uh, the Wednesday Bible study at its foundation started out as a men's Bible study. So, and through the the years that we've been doing this, we've gone out and developed a men's discipleship strategy, and we've we've formed themanchurch.com. Uh, uh, of course, uh, my wife and I, Sherry, uh, we do a number of things uh, through 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 the Burgess Ministries uh, that we have. Uh, she does a lot of things with women's ministry. We do things together as far as marriage is concerned. Uh, and then over on the men's ministry side, that's where this Bible study was established, uh, and uh, that's where you find themanchurch.com. So if you want to find out more about what we do, we do offer a full men's discipleship strategy. Simply go to themanchurch.com. You can look around. You can see it all there. Uh, we can help you any way we can with curriculums that we have put together for men, individual uh, devotionals and books for men. Uh, and of course, we send out speakers to speak at men's gatherings, and and we even do uh, we even do conferences. So that's the one thing I want to hit today before we jump into the Bible study, because I know Christmas is approaching, uh, and uh, the the last uh, Wednesday Bible study that we will be doing, uh, Jim, what was it? Is it December fifteenth? Is that it? Uh, I think it's December the fifteenth. Yeah, because the seventeenth is the last day. So we'll do Wednesday Bible studies to December the fifteenth, and we'll take two weeks off. And then we'll come back in January. Now, if you're a man who's watching this today or listen, and you normally are in the studio, remember in January it will be a new studio. And uh, just so reach out to me, I'll keep you informed on where that is. Uh, and then we will start back up doing the same thing. It'll just be in a different room. For those of you that watch it uh, and listen to it uh, on the archive or watch it live, nothing will really change for you except the background if you watch it. That's really it. Uh, so the, it'll, it'll be available the same way it always has been. So let's talk about Christmas, because if you're thinking about shopping for Christmas for the men on your Christmas list, themanchurch.com is a great place to go. Uh, so some things you can do. You can go there and you can buy some of the resources that I just mentioned. We have T-shirts. We have hats that, that, are, that are cool. But right now you also can get them tickets to two conferences coming up in 2022. One of them will be February the 4th. It'll be at Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida. It's called the Man Event. Charles Billingsley will be leading worship at, uh, at all the conferences that we do in 2022. So Charles Billingsley will be there. I'll be making fun of whatever he wears probably. Uh, also, Hugh Freeze will be at that. He'll be giving his testimony, very moving testimony uh, on marriage and, the, and, you know, and working through difficult things. Um, this is going to be special on February the 4th because actually we're bringing Sherry Burgess, my wife, in as a special guest to address the men for us to hear from a woman uh, the what 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 a woman uh, desires for her man to be spiritually as her husband or a potential husband, uh, and we'll hear that from the uh, the point of view of a woman, which should be very interesting. And then of course I'll be giving a message uh, that night as well. It's just one night, February the fourth. Those tickets are on sale now at themanchurch.com, rickandbubba.com, or burgessministries.com. Just go to events, you'll see it there. The other one is the Pursuit Conference. This is our third year to do this. Uh, it's coming up February 18th and 19th, Dothan, Alabama. Jonathan Evans will be speaking. Andy Blanks will be speaking from the Man Church team. I will be speaking. Charles Billingsley will be doing uh, worship there as well. So those tickets are also on sale at rickandbubba.com or burgessministries.com. Uh, you just go to upcoming events, look for February the 18th. We're going to do another conference next summer. 
but I don't think those tickets are on sale yet, but it'll be coming to Gadsden, Alabama on July 22nd and 23rd, but I do not think those tickets have been activated yet, but FYI. So there you go. Also, if you want to go out and see some of the man church services that are going on, uh, I've kind of wrapped up for the year as far as me speaking, but the other guys are still out there. Uh, as a matter of fact, tonight, if you are uh, watching this live on no- on November the um, 17th, uh, New Chapel Church uh, tonight, Madison, Alabama. Helmsy will be speaking at their second man church. The 21st, Wingo, Rich Wingo, will be at Winfield Baptist Church in Winfield, Alabama. That's their third man church. Uh, and then First Baptist Church Pelham, uh, Helmsy will be there. Uh, in Pelham, Alabama, on the 21st. Mark Garnett at West Mobile Baptist Church coming up on December the 11th. And Mac Brunson speaking December 16th at First Baptist Church, Opelika. All those can be found by going to themanchurch.com and just clicking on events. Uh, let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's just jump into today's Bible study. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the men that are able to be here in the room. Uh, Lord, we do pray. There, there's There's been a number of men that were regulars here in the room uh, that have faded. Uh, it, it could be because of work. It could be because of pandemic. Uh, it could be they just uh, like uh, listening to the archive now or watching on YouTube. Uh, certainly, Lord, as long as they're still engaged, we don't care how they're engaged. But, Lord, if those men that have drifted from being regulars here are not engaged at all, I, I pray, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come down on them uh, and that they would be drawn back uh, into studying of your word. Hopefully, uh, they are continuing to do that just uh, either from afar or in a different way. Uh, but, Lord, this is something that that, uh, that we see happening over time. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you'll draw those men back into a study of your word. Lord, thank you for our time today, and I pray, Lord, that you'll help us as we walk through something that can be controversial, as we find in a lot of this letter uh, to the church at Corinth, uh, involving the denominational garbage a lot of times that separates your church. Uh, may today not be that day. May we just all agree that your word says what it says. And in your name we pray. Amen. And that really is the bottom line on the topic today, 1 Corinthians 14. Um, We know this is a letter that Paul has written to the church at Corinth. Uh, We know the church at Corinth um, he's not pleased with in a lot of areas. Uh, It is a a church that was planted in a sinful city. Uh, Many uh, theologians believe that Paul wrote the book of Romans uh, while living in Corinth and seeing what was going on in that society. And you see that list uh, in Romans chapter 1. Many think that list... Uh, was put down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as Paul looked at the uh, the city of Corinth. So he's seeing some things drifting in the church that he doesn't like, and uh, and he's also answering specific questions that they have answered. And the one today in, in 14, we're going to take on the, the topic of prophecy versus tongues, uh, these two spiritual gifts. And um, I can already feel it. It's all right. Let's... Let's just see what the Bible has to say about it and, and do things the way the Bible says to do it. There's a concept. Uh, and I, let me tell you this. Put your opinions aside because if it's just your opinion, then I, none of us are interested in your opinion because is your opinion inspired by the Holy Spirit? Uh, or is it just inspired by your own flesh? Or this is some traditions that you've been told, but you've never really studied 1 Corinthians 14 on these topics. First of all, I'm going to tell you straightforward, and, and some of you may not like that, the Apostle Paul is going to make it very clear that uh, he sees the gift of prophecy being of more value than the gift of tongues. And, and there's a reason for that. He's going to explain why that is. Uh, and he's not denying the gift of tongues, nothing like that, but he's going to be real careful uh, with those who elevate it to a place that Paul says it shouldn't be elevated. Uh, and and when, I, when, he, when he says prophecy, we, we've got really, really understood this. So we, we've heard Paul discussing the gift of the Spirit, graces of the Spirit, 
Uh, now Paul is going to explain the government of the Spirit. How do we do this in public worship? And you're going to see once again, it's the reason why that I have a real problem with some of the lyrics of some of the modern-day so-called praise and worship songs. Anytime that you're seeing lyrics in a song or hearing lyrics in a song or singing lyrics in a song that are in conflict with who God says he is, that's a real problem. Uh, and you're going to find again today a doubling down that we have been created by, we have been redeemed by, if you've been redeemed, and, and, and we worship a God of order. It is not a God of chaos, and he certainly isn't reckless. Okay? So, so we're, we're going we're gonna to look through this, and Paul's going to explain this again. Uh, it, it seemed in this church there was a tendency for some of the Corinthians to lose control of themselves as they were exercising their gifts. Now, there's some fundamental principles that, that ought to govern the public meetings of the church, and we're going to walk through those. Okay, the first one that you're going to see uh, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verses one through five, you're going to see Paul talking about edification, to edify. So, what does that mean? That means that means to build up, not to tear down. And, and so, listen to what. Remember, we just came off the the chapter on love, uh, where he's talking about the proper use of your gifts and the proper definition of love. So he says in in, in verse one, uh, chapter 14, First Corinthians. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, understand, underline especially that you may prophesy. He does not say especially that you might speak in tongues. Especially try to try to pray that you be given the gift to prophesy. Okay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain what that means because uh, some of you may have an Old Testament view of of, of prophecy, and the, and the New Testament is different. In uh, verse two, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and and consolation. Verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Verse 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. That, that doesn't sound very difficult to me. Uh, Paul just said, do I desire that all of you would be able to speak in tongues? I do. But if I had to pick one or the other, I hope you would develop the ability to prophesy. Why? Because that's the one that serves the church better. Why? Because it builds the church up. Everybody knows what you're saying. Everybody understands uh, what, what, what they're supposed to be receiving from that. Now, now, when we're talking about the gift, because what was happening, he said the church was drifting into not edifying God, not edifying the church, but to edify themselves. Look at me, I can speak in tongues. Look at me, look at me, I can speak in tongues. He said this does not edify God. This does not edify the church. It's just edifying yourself. And so this was happening in the church. It, it, and then, and what happened then, because you know how we are, man, and, and Jesus dealt with this through his three years of ministry, is that for some reason we as human beings, we want to see signs and wonders. Somebody says, I'm going to now preach to you the word of God correctly with solid, 100% pure doctrine. And we're like, eh, could you speak in tongues? Could you heal somebody? Could, you, could we see something, some kind of sign, some kind of wonder? 
And, and you know, Jesus dealt with this in his ministry. And it was the only reason that he would do signs and wonders from time to time is to say, when I say I got, I'm God, I really am. But what he would not let it turn into is that they demand a sign from him. Or is it they said, hey, can you show us some more, show us some more of these miracles? We want to see the supernatural stuff. And, uh, and Jesus, uh, even the Gospel of John says, there were times when there were people that were with Jesus because they loved signs and wonders, but he was not with them because he knew the desires of their heart. He knew they, they, were, not, they were not enamored with him. They were enamored with what miracles he might perform. And he says, that's really not my purpose. Uh, I'm here to redeem the world, and the signs and wonders show you that I have the supernatural ability to redeem the world. So anyway, um, I, 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 no one takes my life from me. I lay it down, and I have what? The ability to raise it back up again because I am the rev- I, I'm the resurrection and I am the life, and anyone who believes in me, though they be dead, yet shall they live. Do you believe this? And then he would show you that he could do it. But he, he didn't do it every time. So, so anyway, he's saying, so be careful. But in the church um, uh, of Corinth, the gift of tongues was being lifted. It was, it was being elevated while prophecy was being ignored. And, uh, and, and so what was happening is, is the people were saying, I really kind of desire to be the center of the attention in here in worship, in public worship, I, not God be the center of it. And so Paul is correcting this. Now, let's talk about what he means by prophesy. What does he mean by prophecy? Remember, and we talked about this in Bible studies past, but this is an important note. The New Testament was not finished. It was in the process of being written, okay? So they did not have, they didn't sit down at the church of Corinth and everybody have a copy of the Bible in their lap and the preacher get up or the teacher and say, now, like I'm doing, turn with me, do so-and-so, so-and-so, and look at your Bible and let's walk through this. They didn't have the ability to do that. There were some Old Testament scrolls that were available, but they were really expensive, and most churches couldn't, couldn't get them. So what did they have? During this time of God establishing the church age and, and the God-inspired New Testament was being written but was not completed and copies of what had already been written were not readily available, the gift for a, a teacher to come in and say, God has given me the word for you, and here's what God says. That, that was a gift that, that was badly needed because they didn't have copies of the Word of God. But, the, but, but those that had the gift of prophecy came in and said, here's the message God has given me to give to you. It was Holy Spirit and out, inspired by the Holy Spirit out. They didn't sit down like, like pastors today. They didn't sit down like I did this week and put together their message and, and get the, uh, word of the uh, Word of God out there, walk through it. They didn't hear other commentaries. They didn't do that. That wasn't available. So it went, it went Holy Spirit to you. And those that had that gift spoke on the authority of God. Here's what God says for me to teach you. And so this is not the Old Testament prophecies, not Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets were, ch- were telling you God is saying this about the future. Yes, God is saying this about you, the people. God is angry. Certainly that still existed. But these people were not telling us the future. To have the gift of prophecy in the New Testament was to deliver God's message and to deliver it with correct doctrine and clearly. Okay? You see now why he's saying, I, I really, we really need this more than y'all speaking in tongues? Uh, this, this is the gift that we, that we need because it builds up the church. So, so edification was, was the, the first part of this. And then he goes on as part of this, and, and when he says in, in verses 1 through 3, he's saying prophecy speaks to, to, to men 
And tongue speaks to God. Yeah, tongues is a form of worshiping God, but if I don't know the language that you're speaking to the people of the church, it has no benefit. I, I'm, I'm not learning anything from this. So, so he said, now this is where some of you are going are gonna to get, get off the rails a little bit, and I'm okay with that, okay? I'm not the authority on this. But I have read several commentaries, and, and there's kind of two schools of thought here, uh, and there's one that I think is validated in Scripture more than the other, but I'm not going to come down on it and dial my sword on this one because I, I'm not the authority on this. There's many who said when, when, when this Bible was translated into English, there's many theologians that say, I really wish the word unknown had been, had been left out because we're going to talk a minute where the word unknown tongues. And, and so when, when this book uh, appearing in English uh, and for that word to be used, many theologians, not all, uh, say that that, that, is, that is not what we would say, meaning this is a language that has never been known in the world. That, that a lot of theologians say to interpret that way is not correct, that this is some prayer language that only the angels understand and no one on earth, no human beings ever heard it. He, they're saying the correct pronunciation, I, I mean the correct um, uh, definition of, of this being unknown, meaning that I heard people speaking in a language that was not mine and they didn't know how to speak that language and, and supernaturally they were able to speak Spanish to people who needed to hear it in Spanish they were able to speak any language the world has ever known uh, correctly so any people who know that language will be able to hear the message in their own language. And that's what happened at Pentecost, and that's where the validation comes from. They were able to speak any language that needed to be spoken supernaturally. It is not a language that's never been around in the world. That's one theory. Now, another theory is, no, yes, it absolutely is. Some. The, the point is what Paul's saying about tongues whether you're speaking a language that exists in the world, I just don't know it, or you're speaking a language that nobody in the room has ever known, whichever side you want to come down on on that, the way he says it ought to be done is still the same. Because for whatever reason you can't understand it, this is going to apply. Does that make sense? So and, and so that just know that a lot I've heard, that I remember growing up to say, well, this is a prayer language, you know, that's never been known in the world. We don't know what they're saying. Some of the commentators say that's not true. What, 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 what that means is they had the ability to speak in any language. But these were languages that were known in the world. You just may not know it. So anyway, that's, y'all, y'all can run with that however you want to run with that. Uh, but anyway, so, so look, look what he says now. He says, the, the one who speaks in tongues, as I said, builds himself up. The one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I do want you all to be able to speak in tongues, but even more prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone is there to interpret uh, so the church may be built up. He goes, yeah, if someone's speaking in tongues and they got a word from God and there's someone there to tell us what they're saying, there's benefit to that. But if we don't know what the person's saying, there's really no benefit to that except for bringing attention to the person who's doing it. And it certainly worships God, but the people who are there in the, in the church don't know what you're saying. So he comes on to six. He says, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge, or prophecy, or teaching. This is in the ver- verse uh, now six and seven, and and then he goes on to say what he says: If even lifeless instruct instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? So you you see what what he's talking about now. He he goes through through everything about what he said about prophecy 
uh, you know, versus, um, uh, versus the, the speaking in the tongues. And he says, you know, if, if someone is speaking in tongues and speaks to God and prays and worship, but the one who prophesies shares the word with the church and it helps us. Uh, prophecy edifies the church. Tongues edify only the speaker. And then he goes on to say, I'm not denying the value of tongues to the speaker, but 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 he, but I'm I'm placing greater value on the building of the church. And, and so he says there's a reason for that. And he says then the next thing that we have to know, we have to know what we believe, and we have to know why we believe it. Because if we don't know that and somebody gets up with a word that they claim is from God, we don't know the difference. And so he said, what I want to do is I want you all to be trained in what we believe and why we believe it. And frankly, those that can prophesy are better at that. So now we're jumping into to six and seven, and, and so we're leaving edification. And now as I go in six and seven and I'll move on, we're now moving into understanding. Okay, he's saying that, that we certainly are, I prefer the, the edification that comes with prophecy, but I also now prefer the understanding that comes with prophecy versus speaking in some tongue that no one knows what you're saying. And he's using, he's using all these analogies for that, and, and one of them is what? He's using the analogy... Of, of musical instruments. He says, if, if the bugle gives an instinct sound, who will get ready for, for, for battle? So with yourselves, if, if, you, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what's said? For you will be speaking into the air. Uh, there are doubtless many different languages, and this is where some of the commentators come down on the ones who say it's not an unknown language in the world. They go to this verse. Look at, look at verse 10 in chapter 14. This is how they support their view of unknown tongue. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. So you don't see Paul referring to a language that doesn't exist. He says, he said, I'm, I'm not doubting that there's many different languages in the world, and they all have meaning, unless what? I don't speak it. Remember what happened at Acts chapter 2. They all heard what Peter was saying and what the apostles were saying in their own language. It was not a language that no one had ever heard of. It was just the language that they understood, and they supernaturally could do that. Uh, so he says, but, verse 11 now, if I do not know the meaning of the language, see what I just said? I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. See, it doesn't look like they're talking about languages that don't exist. He's talking about the languages of the world that you just may not know. It's not your language. If, you're speak, if you came to preach to me with no interpreter, you know, when, when I go to, even though my grasp of Spanish can be dangerous, so when I go to speak to countries that speak Spanish, I preach and I have an interpreter. Paul says, well, the good, you need to so they know what you're saying because they may misunderstand without a proper interpreter. Do you think I, I'm all that effective if I walk into Nicaragua and I say, I've got a message for you, and they start looking at each other going, what is he saying? And nobody steps in and starts speaking to them in their own language, and I come in speaking English to them, I may have the best message I've ever prepared, but it's going nowhere because, because they can't understand it. So that's why just the same way you need an interpreter speaking, he's saying those of you who speak tongues, and you'll see him get to this at the end of the chapter if we get there, you also need an interpreter. And if you don't have one, I wish you'd be quiet. So, uh, so he says, um, so look at verse 12. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in the building of the church. That's a little shot there. Paul taking a little shot. Now, I know that y'all are all fired up about these manifestations of the Spirit, and, you, and that's what you're all into right now. 
I tell you what, if you want to see the Spirit manifest itself, why don't you listen to somebody preach the Word? Why don't you listen to somebody uh, tell you something that you can understand from the Word of God? Is that not good enough for you? What about here's a holy God speaking through someone who has his message, and that person is speaking to you, and for you that's not exciting enough? you got to have some kind of wild experience in the church. And Paul is he's speaking against that. Verse 13, therefore one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. If you want to speak in tongues, pray that you can interpret Because some of the folks who had the gift of tongues, they could, they could speak in a, a, a language that maybe everybody didn't understand, but they had an ability to interpret it where they would say, they would use the language, then they would tell you what it meant in your language. He said, pray that you have the ability to do that, then it'll be of some good. Verse 14, for, I, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He goes, look, if all I'm going to do is throw out some prayer language, that's great. I mean, God can hear it. But no one in the room is going to benefit from that. My spirit is speaking in a tongue, but my mind has no idea what I'm hearing. He says, what am I to do? I I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. All he's saying right there is, I'm not going to pray and sing something I don't know what I'm saying. I want to know what I'm saying because because this this should have order to it. I should know what's going on. Verse 16. Otherwise, if you give thanks for your spirit, how can anyone in, in, uh, in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? Can you imagine if you're up there preaching and you're speaking a language nobody can understand, you keep pausing, and you're like, I can't believe I'm not getting an amen. They go, we don't even know what you're saying. How, how can I give you an amen when I don't even understand what you're saying? And so, you know, this isn't as complicated as people make it. You know, I can't even believe we have a debate over this. It sounds to me like Paul is speaking so clearly to how this should be handled. Um, and, and I think what I found out and I found this out over the weekend and I used to be like this. So this is an indictment on the former Rick too. And it inspires me to keep going with learning the Bible. I've, I've understood a lot. I'm starting to see a lot. There's an awful lot of arguing going on about scripture among people who don't know scripture. I mean, they're having these debates and it's almost like, like for instance, a debate on this brothers, by the time we're done today and, and sisters who may be watching or listening, this is so straightforward. I think you're going to feel silly to have ever had an argument about this. It, this is not even, it doesn't even seem like there's a gray area on what he's saying with this, but yet we still get out and act like, well, I don't know that I believe that. Well then read this. It doesn't matter. I, I don't have an opinion on this. I'm just saying that God did. And, and, and Paul passed the test on having the gift to hear from the Holy spirit and hear from God and to write down what God wanted us to know and so, yeah, I'm not an expert on this, but it looks like Paul is. Uh, so he, he, he says, uh, you know, he's given us some common sense examples. And then he says, I thank God, in 18, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And there comes that resume. Look, I, I know how to speak all kinds of languages, okay? And uh, he said, more than most of you. And, and he's doing that. So and I, you know why he's doing that? Can y'all pick that up just from common sense? Because what he doesn't want them to do is what human beings always do. Always do. Well, you're talking down about tongues and elevating prophecy because you can't speak in tongues. If you had the gift of speaking in these tongues, you wouldn't feel this way. He's like, oh, I can speak in all of them, but I still feel this way. This is still what's better. So he's taking that complaint off the table, which is is wise on his part. Um, so then he then he then he drops the gauntlet, and I, I have used this verse many times because. Um, you know, I, I hope, I don't know, I, 
I've not given the I have not been given the gift of speaking in tongues. I've prayed about it. I've never been given this gift. I praise God that some people have it. Okay. But what Paul says here, and I've said many times, if you take this and elevate it to where it doesn't belong, that's a mistake. Because he just told us he can speak all of the languages. He has the gift of tongues. Okay. And listen to what he says. Nevertheless, as far as being in the church, meaning what? We're in a public service. Okay. I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And I can do them all. You know what he says? I'm not going to get in here and do a daredevil show and show off for you. I'd rather come in here and speak to you in your language and give you five words from God that you understood than 10,000 that you didn't. Now, it may not be as impressive, and you not, may not be aghast at me teaching you the word of God in five words as opposed to 10,000 or something that you thought, wow, what a show. He, he's being so clear about this. Verse 20, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Now think about that. What he's saying there is, yeah, tongues can be used in a supernatural way for someone to go, wow, what I'm seeing here is supernatural. This is a miracle. But he says prophecy is not designed because if you're a non-believer, you may, you may, you don't know the doctrines enough. The prophecy is for those that have already decided to follow Jesus, and now they're being taught to leave spiritual infancy and to go to spiritual maturity. He said, I would rather you be an infant on what you know about evil and be mature in what you know about God, and I'd rather you know the Bible better than you know the world. And he says, so the the unbeliever may see someone with the gift of tongues, even though he's going to clarify that later about still you don't want to have disorder with this, and that might convince them that God is, is supernatural. But this gift of prophecy has been given to you, the church. So obsessing over tongues inside the church is really getting this out of whack. You really should be, you should be more intrigued in the gift of prophecy, hearing a word from God as you now grow in your faith than watching someone speak in tongues. Why you think someone speaking in tongues in a public worship is more important or more valuable than someone teaching you the word of God? He said, I don't understand that. That doesn't even make sense. Because it's really not for you, especially if you can't understand it. Uh, so then he says, um, um, thus tongues are signed there. I got that. And 23. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you're all out of your minds? So he just told us, though, that this is something unbelievers may see. But what he's saying is, but if it's disorderly and there's no one there to interpret what you'll get to, and I walk into a church and everybody in here is speaking in tongues that I don't understand, he goes, I don't think an unbeliever is going to be drawn to this because it's just going to seem like there's a bunch of crazy people in here uh, babbling on in languages they don't understand. He said, uh, verse 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all, is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart 
are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. He said, if he walks in or she walks in and they can't understand what you're saying, there's no hope for them to be convicted in their heart. There's no hope for them to understand who God is because they can't understand you. They're just going to think you've all lost your minds. But if you walk in and you've got someone standing up there with the gift of prophecy that can correctly divide the word of God and hear from the Holy Spirit and tell them who God is, that gives them a better shot of coming in conviction and to falling on their face before God and acknowledging who he is because they have to be taught who he is. And if you're speaking in something they can't understand, that is not possible and it cannot take place. Does this make sense? It's really pretty straightforward. I, I don't I don't understand the controversy of it all. But now it gets uh, a, a little a little dicier uh, when we now get into um, you know it, it's some people think I know in the modern day church and this is what Paul's really saying that somehow speaking in tongues is a sign of spiritual maturity. Well, when you receive tongues, that's when you that's that's when you're in. If only Rick, you could speak in tongues. I, I've had people say to me before that are in ministry that have people who want to come along ministry, alongside ministries and support them financially, and they said to me, "Man, I've sat down with people, and if I could just have the gift of speaking in tongues, there's no telling how much money they would give me to support my ministry." That's what they're looking for. But if 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 speaking in tongues is a sign of spiritual maturity, and I want you to think about this because this is big. If that's so, then why is Paul clearly teaching that it's possible to exercise the gift in an unspiritual, immature way? That doesn't make any sense. If it's a sign of spiritual maturity, then, then there shouldn't be any concern that this person, because they're so spiritually mature, would be so immature with the gift and could be by Paul called out is saying, not only do I don't think this makes you spiritually mature, I think it actually is unspiritual the way you're doing it. See, someone who's spiritually mature wouldn't make that mistake. But Paul says you're making a mistake with it, so how can that be a sign of spiritual maturity? It really can't be. So, and, and Paul makes that that clear. And again, you go back to Acts chapter 2, if you even look how, how tongues is being used there at Pentecost, what do we see? It's being used in a way that everybody can understand what God's saying, not in a way they can understand it. And that's the point he's making, and he doubles down now, and I think we're going to make it. So verses 26 through 40, so we've talked about edification, we've talked about understanding, and now we're going to talk about order. This has got to be orderly. And and I think I've seen this be abused quite quite a few times. Now I know this is going to garner some emails. But you'll have to take that out with the Apostle Paul, and if I had his email, I'd send it on to him uh, because this is him, okay? This is the Holy Spirit. Uh, isn't it funny that people who claim to have like a second baptism of the Holy Spirit or they're really showing that they have the Holy Spirit and then they deny uh, words that were written by the Holy Spirit? Uh, but anyway, so maybe you're not as mature as you say you are if you don't can't understand Scripture. Uh, but here's what uh, he goes. He gives you a what then now. Now, now, so so in, 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 in summary, what am I saying? When you come together, 
Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. There's that edification again. For the building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. That, that is language that a child can understand. If you're going to do it and you got people with the gift of tongues, here's how it should be done. I don't want more than three people doing it first. Two to three. And if they're going to do it, I don't want them all doing it at the same time. I don't want a bunch of babbling going on, a bunch of hollering all over the church. Paul says that's not right. Okay? Paul said. Rick didn't say that. Paul said that. Unless you don't think Paul has the authority to speak on behalf of God, okay? You can. T- I guess you can disagree with Paul. And he says, and and then I, so first of all, I don't want there to be more than three, and I want them to go in order, and I want it to be interpreted. Can anybody read this and disagree with what I just said? Is Could it be any clearer than that? And he says now in 28, but if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. If we don't have anybody interpret it, you sit down over there and you can pray to God and you do your own thing. That's between you and God. Don't speak to the people. I'm going to say that again. The Holy Bible of God says, if no one is there to interpret, don't speak about it. Do not get up publicly and speak in tongues. Is that what it says? It says it, 29, let two or three prophets speak. Now we got people with the, the gift of prophecy and let others weigh in on what is said. Let's talk about it. You ever do that? I do that in the Sunday school class that, that, that my wife and I teach with another couple. And, uh, and we also have a, uh, another staff member that, that rotates in with us as well based on times that we can't teach. And you know what we do? We get up, we talk to them about what, what, what the lesson is that day. It comes out of the word of God. In the New Testament, we would have gotten it directly from the Holy Spirit if we had the gift of teaching and prophesying. And you know what we do? And I'd like to have your feedback. Anybody got any questions? Anybody got anything you want to say? Now, that too has to be in order, as you're going to see here in a minute when I start getting the email from the women today. But I'm going to forward that on to Speedy. Okay? So he says, here's the order again. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So if I'm talking and somebody gets a revelation, I stop. I let that person talk. For you you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of, 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 uh, of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion. Underline this, please. Verse 33, I want everybody underlining that if you got your Bible. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. God is not a God of confusion. Let me tell you where you find who you find laying in confusion. Darkness. The adversaries. If not him, if you didn't warrant him, uh, uh, the, the one-third of the demons that went with him. They love confusion. They create confusion. That's where they thrive. God is not a God of confusion. You know what he's saying? Even if you're teaching, don't interrupt each other. Don't talk over each other. Don't take the floor, and then you try to talk over the person who's got the floor. And he says this. He said what? As in all the churches of the saints, and here it comes, verse 34, speedy at rickandbubba.com, the women should keep silent in the churches 
for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says also, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Speedy at rickandbubba.com. All right, so now let me tell you what he's doing here. Let's not, let's not, over, let's not overdo this, okay? Remember that we're talking about a public worship and we're talking about order, okay? Now, I will say this, and I don't apologize uh, for this. It is clear uh, that, um, that when you look at the culture of this day and the way church was done, it was the responsibility of the men to keep the order. It was the responsibility of the men to teach their wives. And, like, if you got home and your wife said, you know, when that one guy was talking, uh, I didn't – I, I don't know that I agree with this, or I, I have a question on that. The husband was supposed to be able to tell his wife exactly the answer. Now, see, what's happened to our culture, and this is where I will now win the women back over, sadly, they don't want to be won over this way. Honestly, most couples I know now, I would probably ask the, the wife to clarify versus their husband because her husband didn't know what he's talking about. Most husbands are so immature in their grasp of Scripture, they couldn't answer a question if they had to. There's a lot of wives that can. So, and there were, and in my marriage, the reason why I'm going to say that because in my marriage, at one time, if you came to us with a question, I'd let you talk to Sherry because she knew more than I did. And in this case, that in this, the way the culture was done, that wouldn't have been the case. Some of it is because the women in the New Testament church. This is the first time they've had access to this, you know, because you go back to the Old Testament, then they they were at a different place in the temple. They weren't allowed to learn. They weren't allowed to be educated. So some of this comes from the fact that you had, you had, as my brother would call, you had some ratchet jaws in the church. You had people that when they would start talking, you could, you could never get it back. I'm going to tell you this. I know some of you, this has been true from, from teaching, and, and, I'm, and I'll try to police myself on this. I know some of you think if you pray for a really long time, that shows how spiritual you are. No, many times you have quenched the spirit because you have gone on and on and on and on that we've all stopped listening. How many times have you said, let's, let's talk about testimony. Somebody gets up, there's a 40-minute testimony, and everybody stopped listening, and the spirit moving in the room is gone because they went on and on. Now, what I'd like to talk about, it happened back, in, and I, don't, I think it was, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, well, it, was, it was my oldest son. Of course, now my oldest son is the one that married, you know, the, the girl from, uh, the, the, from Illinois. Of course, now her family up there from Illinois, they weren't originally from Illinois. They actually had come, come they started, well, most of her family was in California. And then, of course, in California, and that's where her dad, now their dad had a dad that had a problem, and, you know, they didn't get along very well. And, of course, that, and then you're just like, well, I don't even know where we are now. I don't even know what we're talking about. Some people do not have the ability to, to, to ask a question or to, and, and to leave it alone or to say, hey, I saw God move this week. Let me tell you what happened and do it in a time in a way that we, keeps our attention. So this thing of, well, hey, don't, don't get in the way of the Spirit. Let me tell you, a lot of times they're the ones in the way of the Spirit. They've stopped what was really moving. It's the reason why I, don't, I never go to the floor for prayer requests. I, I, I mean, it, this is how I do prayer requests when I'm teaching. Does anybody have a prayer request that is urgent and we need to pray about right now because before we can send out the email of prayer requests this week for us all to pray over, this this is like you got you got surgery after this class. You know, you got somebody in the hospital clinging to life. Okay? I I do not kick it around the room for everybody. Hey, anybody got anything they want to say? Anybody got anything? Because let me tell you something. You can't get it back. I've watched I've watched that carry on 
I mean, you only got an hour to do the Bible study. By the time everybody's fellowship, you got 45 minutes. By the time you've done the announcements, you got 35 minutes. And I've seen people take 20 minutes of that, just kicking around. And 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 that that's not really the best way to do it. So it doesn't mean people's prayer requests aren't important. But my wife and I take everybody's prayer requests. We get on our face and we pray over them. And we let everybody list them uh, in a notebook, in a journal. Sherry sends it out to the entire class. We all pray. And if you have something urgent today, absolutely speak up. But we don't just take. We're not going to do a time of just never any prayer request. All right. Okay. And and I got a praise this week. Yes, there's a place for that, but what Paul's saying, not in a public worship setting. Because and if you've ever been to one where somebody gets to running and we can't get it back, it's it's a bad feeling. And it seems to be from some of the things he's already said, because he's let women pray and he's let women prophesy. He's already said that earlier in the in the but there was a group of women that that it seems to be from a lot of the commentary that if they got hold of the public worship, you weren't gonna get it back. And so they just handed down a deal that said, Hey, the women here when we do this response to him, I got a question. Y'all just talk to your husbands. Let your husbands ask the question. Now, as I said, sadly, if we went back to that rule right now, we would be in a lot of trouble because most of the husbands don't know what they're talking about. Sadly, uh, which which is why now we can't really trust husbands with that now. Uh, but uh, but but that's part of what we're trying to do with themanchurch.com and and the churches that the men are now studying the Word of God. We keep getting back from the men are in the word in so many places now like never before, which is something to celebrate. It really is. So anyway, so don't don't make more of that than this is not an indictment on women as, as, as a gender. This is talking about in this church they were having problems with order, and he's addressing who's causing the problems. And, the, and he said, here's the way we need to do it, okay? Uh, so don't, don't read more in that. And I know that some of the women's rights things, they take this and Paul becomes some, uh, you know, misogynist or something that is not what's going on here and don't allow people to say that about um, the apostle paul um so then then he goes on uh and he says um um 36 or was it from you that the word of god came are you the only ones that is reached if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual he should acknowledge that the things i'm writing to you are a command of the lord you know he's saying you really shouldn't be pushing back on what I'm saying if you knew God like you claim you do. Why, why would you object to what I'm saying? Because if you're as mature spiritually as you claim to be, you would already know this. The fact that you're pushing back on me shows you're not as spiritually mature as you think you are. Now, this is Paul saying this, not me. Uh, many of you are further along than I am, and you have been a great help to me and continue to be. Uh, but I don't think anybody could stand up in there and say, we know more than not the Apostle Paul knows. Not that Church of Corinth, not yet. So, uh, so he's saying, um, uh, and and he and he's not been you know, a smart aleck about this. He's just saying, look, th- this is just the 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 facts. Okay, he says thirty eight. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy, to prophesy, and do not forbid the speaking in tongues. Okay, some of you that think that he's saying that tongues shouldn't even exist and it doesn't matter, he's not saying that. He's just saying don't misuse the gift and don't get them out of order. He says so. He goes, but all things should be done decently, and underline this, and in order. All right. So some of the things that, that Paul is saying here in this, this last part, there should be someone able to interpret anybody that's going to speak in a tongue that we don't know what you're saying. That's very, very clear. 40-minute uh, testimonies actually might take away the spirit, not exactly 
be a part of moving the Spirit. Men were keeping order at that time, and they did that because they they had the they had the teaching to protect the the, the doctrinal purity in the church. And like I say, that that rested with the men then, not so much now, sadly. Um, but uh, but the women uh, were to uh, clearly talk to their husbands because these particular women were causing disruption. Now, I will tell you one thing I think we can apply to the church today. First of all, there's there's a lot of churches out there that I think have elevated tongues to a place that doesn't belong. Uh, I also think that there's, um, a, a, th- there's, there's a lack of order sometimes in church that the Bible clearly says should not be there. Uh, also, I think that we can be guilty. Uh, I've seen it. And I guess at times I've struggled with it. Uh, God has corrected me on that. I don't anymore. That we keep seeking some sort of manifestation. We want a sign. We want a wonder. We want a miracle. We want something supernatural to happen, as if the word of God's not enough. You know, and and if we and if we're at a place we hadn't seen seen those kind of things. I, I had some acquaintances uh, that I was. You know, uh, I'm not close with them, but they are acquaintances. And they seem to be the kind of people that if a church is not planting itself in a basketball gym somewhere and some, they hadn't cast out demons the night before, they don't think the church has got God in it. I'd be real careful with that kind of stuff. Remember on the signs and wonders, which is why Paul warns us and why Jesus warns us. When it comes to signs and wonders, Satan can do them too. The demons can do them too. And a lot of times you, people really, really get misled by chasing that because they don't realize they're chasing something that's not of God at all. Just because it's a manifestation doesn't mean it's of God. And I will tell you this, and we dealt with this, if you're dealing with anything that does not identify itself and is calling, causing chaos, that is not of God. I've had people before say, I think I had an encounter with an angel. Then you didn't. And they say, why? I said, did he tell you he was an angel? No. Well, they weren't an angel. There's nowhere in Scripture that you see an angel show up and say, and, and everybody starts hollering and yelling and screaming, and they just sit there and go, or so, you know what they do? They say, fear not. Also, they'll correct you if you get on your face. Don't worship me. I'm an angel of the Lord. This is who I am, and this is why I'm here. So if you're dealing with anything that doesn't identify itself as an angel from the Lord, you're not dealing with an angel. Okay? I don't care if you saw your mall mall that everybody liked. If you saw your mall mall that's been dead for 10 years, that's a demon. That is not an angel, and it ain't your mall mall. And uh, and so uh, and, and and so also what of, of the chaos in the church? Oh, I went to the church and there's people rolling around all over the ground and people making all these noises and and hey, we thought somebody got you know. And does God still do miracles? He absolutely does. But can I tell you the greatest miracle He did is He redeemed me when I couldn't redeem myself. And if He never shows me another thing or does another thing than what He's already given me in His Word, then He's done enough. He's done more than enough. I was talking with uh, uh, a person that's kind of seeking right now, and and thankfully they they're not they're not uh, they're not atheists they're not agnostic, but they're they're kind of struggling with the authority of the Word of God. And I'm just a C student from Calhoun County, but this seemed to resonate because it did with me. So we talked, and I said, "So you acknowledge." that there's God. He's, and I love this. What he said was beautiful. Romans chapter 1. You know what he said? How can you look around and not believe that God exists? I said, okay, that's good. He said, I've seen the most beautiful things. I see how 
human beings are made. I, I, I've studied the DNA, uh, the, the birth of children, how children are created, how the earth is positioned perfectly in its relationship to the sun. If it was off by um, just the tiniest of tiny, we would all burn or freeze. And he said, so I don't have any idea that, that, that God exists. I just don't really know who he is. And, and I'm not sure that I believe that this Bible that you keep trying to talk to me about is, uh, is the word of God, is his revelation or whatever you're saying it is. I said, okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. So, cause I, he, I had to get, I was trying to get him to depend on the authority of the Bible. We couldn't really get started. So you believe that God can breathe all this into existence. Yes. You believe that he created human beings. Yes. You believe in the complexities of the human body and all this created by a creator. 100%. Okay. But somehow he's so inept that we, these powerful human beings snuck a book by him that he couldn't stop. And we made a bunch of lies about him and he can't correct it. I just, I was just out of his realm. He, he just had no way to do that. And I said, and plus, if I was going to make up a Bible about him, I'm going to look really good in it. I'm not going to be making the mistakes that these people make. I'm not coming off as bad as they come off. And you know what? I'm certainly not going to die for something I know I made up. And he said, I never really thought about that before. So that's just simple stuff. God, if God can create the heavens and the earth and create human beings, he can do this. He, he can get a revelation about himself correctly to us. Okay? This is not beyond his realm. And even if we tried to make up a book about us, about him, he could stop it. I mean, you can't really, you can't really have it both ways. God is, who he, God is the creator of heaven and earth, but he's just so weak. Human beings made up a, a book about him that he couldn't stop. So, so if you, if with that being kind of a, a point that we can't get around, uh, I think that we, what we take away and close today is when we're in worship, first uh, Corinthians chapter 14 lays out clearly how we should do it and how we shouldn't do it. And once again, we see in scripture that God is a God of order. So my question to you is the question I asked myself, are you worshiping a God of order? Are you trying to edify God? Are you trying to edify the church? Are you trying to edify yourself? Would you rather hear someone teach you pure doctrine out of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, or would you rather see some sort of show? Which one of those truly, honestly, if you were honest? Uh, will you sing a song because it's got a good hook, even if what it says about God isn't biblically sound? What, what's the real motivation for you in public worship? And I think we should take this and we should apply this to ourselves and ask ourselves some hard questions. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for, um, for the word that you've given us. And remind us today, Lord, as I know I've been reminding, reminded, my opinion holds no weight. My opinion is of no value. What I, and anything that I want to say about you, I must be able to support it correctly with Scripture. And if I can't, then I am likely wrong. It's just my preferred answer, not the biblical answer. As many times as I had to be told through my life, as I continued to learn about you, I would say something ridiculous. And someone who knew your word would say to me, you know, that sounds really good. It's just not biblical. 
Uh, may it be biblical. And may I know enough about the Bible to be able to tell the difference. Keep maturing us into the people that only you can make us, Lord. And may you be glorified. May you be edified. And may we make much of you and little of ourselves. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being with us.